Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. That whole idea, that whole understanding. Love one another. Love is of God. I mean, in the reality and the truth of it, let's just face it, sometimes we come together, we're not a very lovely bunch. You know, if, if each one of us knew each one of us as best we could, we, we'd probably be really difficult to love some of us, okay? But it's the Spirit of God working in us that allows us to love each other over and above and through and in spite of our faults and our issues. Why? Because I know that God loved me in spite of all my issues. And what can I throw at anybody else? Today, Pastor David speaks of God's love and how we're called to love others just as He's loved us. That means loving without bounds. That means loving those with faults greater and lesser than your own. That means loving everyone always. Have you been doing that this week? Pastor David wants to encourage you to try showing love to everyone you meet, whether or not you think they deserve it. Because you didn't deserve God's love, and yet He loved you from the start, and He still loves you, no matter your faults. Now here's Pastor David in the book of 1 John chapter 4, as he continues his message, False Teachers and Brotherly Love. I don't know how a person can really say that they're an atheist, that they don't believe in God. If they've never been every place all at the same time, how can you say you don't believe that there's a God? There's a whole concept on that that messes me up. But anyway, in that whole thing, they may believe in nothing. They may hate religion with a passion. Some are hardcore that way. Some are still looking. I don't, I don't believe Christianity. I don't believe the Word of God, but I want to know truth. You know what? Those are the ones who, again, the Word of God can penetrate. The Spirit of God will move and work on their hearts, even though they might say, well, I don't believe this stuff. And like I shared with you Sunday, you're sharing with somebody and they say, well, I don't believe the Bible. I don't, I, I don't believe any of that stuff. Then just share with them the Word of God again, okay? Just give them one more verse. Just give them one more verse because it's the Word of God that's going to impact their lives. Hearts hardened to the truth, But that doesn't mean we don't continue to share with them. Because you never know when the Holy Spirit is going to break up that hard soil and allow just a seed of the truth to penetrate. Man, we look at our deserts and you think, man, during the summertime you look out there and says, ain't nothing going to live here. And then all of a sudden we have rains like we did this spring. You think, man, it's absolutely gorgeous. The hardest soul you may know, whether it be a family, a friend, a co-worker, the hardest individual you know, the Spirit of God can penetrate. And the Word of God in that life can bring forth life and break open that heart. John now kind of circles back around. He comes to the social test 
Uh, and, and again, that's that our love for the family of faith. Look here, 1 John 4. Now we're in verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. How many of you know that chorus, that old chorus? Yeah, a few of you. We're not going to sing it. Uh, no, not enough of you know it. That whole idea, that whole understanding. Love one another. Love is of God. I mean, in reality and the truth of it, let's just face it, sometimes we come together. We're not a very lovely bunch. You know, if, if each one of us knew each one of us as best we could, we, we'd probably be really difficult to love some of us, okay? But it's the Spirit of God working in us that allows us to love each other over and above and through and in spite of our faults and our issues. Why? Because I know that God loved me in spite of all my issues. And what can I throw at anybody else? What level can I say? Well, only if you reach this level. The fact is, because he loved us. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He does not love. Catch this. If we do not love one another, this is that social test. We don't know God. Because if I say that I know God, that God is in my life, John says God is love. And if God is in my life, that love has to come out. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us. That God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. It's an interesting direction of words given to us here by the Holy Spirit through the pen of the Apostle John. In verse 7, he actually speaks about two distinct, and I believe kind of separate conditions here. One of them is being born of God, and the other one is knowing God. Now, bear with me as I explain this to you. For an individual to be born of God, you need to understand that is an act of, of God himself upon that individual's life. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Can we say our salvation is of God? Titus 3, Paul writes again, not by works of righteousness that I've done, but it's according to his mercy that he saved us through that washing of regeneration. I couldn't wash myself. He had to wash me. He had to regenerate me. And he had to renew me by the Holy Spirit. Okay, and a host of other verses speak about the fact that, again, being born again, that is the work of God. However, when you and I come to truly know God and to grow in God, to grow in our knowledge of him, and in our relationship with him, guess what? That is the work and the will of you as an individual. You know what I'm saying? You are born again by the power of God. You grow in God by your intentional growth, by your intentional seeking after the things of God, by your diving into his word, by fellowship with the saints, by, again, being in Bible study, being in prayer, growing in that relationship. In other words, if I was born again by the Spirit of God, and I never read my Bible, never went to church, never interacted with any other Christians, number one, it'd be really questionable whether I was ever born again by the Spirit of God. But the fact is, is to grow in Him, I need to make decisions in my life. I need to make determinations 
in my life. Peter, again, I'm going to refer back to Peter. 1 Peter 2, verse 2 says, as newborn babes. Peter is encouraging us here. As newborn babes, you need to desire the pure milk of the word in order that you might grow thereby. That's your work. I can't stand back and say, well, God, if you want me to grow, grow me up. We've got to do something. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, he says, speaking to the believers, he challenges them to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To be born of God is one thing. To grow in the knowledge of God is another thing. But the unfortunate reality is that many believers today, even today, they expect God would simply place a funnel on their heads and pour into them all that they need without ever lifting a finger to read the Bible or to find more about God. I cannot tell you, through the years, the number of times in counseling, you'll say, man, I'm really struggling in this area in my life. Man, I'm really, I'm really stumbling up in, in this area in my life. Would you pray for me? Would you Help me, Pastor. How often do you read your word? I don't. I, I just don't read the word. How often do you pray? I don't know. I really don't have a prayer life. You know, I haven't seen you in church like in six months. There's nothing I can do for you. I don't have a magic wand. It's the intent and the purpose of the believer who determines in his life by the work of the Holy Spirit within them that I want to grow in the grace and the knowledge of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You come to a pastor, you come to a counselor, you come to a Bible study leader and say, man, uh, fix me. No, we can't fix you. We can encourage you. We can challenge you in the word. But there's no magic wand that's going to wave over anyone because, again, it is choose you this day who you will follow. Man, the word is full of the responsibility that you and I have for our lives. I remember as a young man, story out of school here, but a young man, if that's for me, just tell him I'll get with him later. <laughs> as a young man, I was dealing with a particular issue in my life that uh, a lot of young men and a lot of old men still deal with, okay? And I remember one night just pulling alongside of the road. I was just so fed up with uh, just my lustful thoughts and just attitudes. And I just cried out to God, God! Remove this from me. Remove this from me. You know what? He didn't remove it from me. But he told me I needed to start making choices. I needed to take captive every thought. I needed to put, again, like, like Job, blinders on my eyes. I had to make determinations. I had to have accountability in my life. He's not going to do a magic wand in our life. He calls for responsibility for each one of us. We, if we are born of God and we know God, then as we're growing, guess what? That's when our love for one another is going to start happening. But if we're not growing in God, we don't love one another. John was aware of the fact that, man, as, as believers, we, we struggle with this whole thing of loving one another. We We do. I mean, can we be honest? There, there, there's, there's some people in this room that you might struggle loving with. Okay, you don't need to point fingers. Uh, that's not what I'm saying. But there's just times that it's just difficult. And outside of Christ, working inside of us. That's why we can come up to each other and say, 
And you're my brother. You're my sister. Even though, man, you may be, we may be totally different directions apart and just so many things. But because we are brothers and sisters in Christ, we are called to love one another. In this love, in this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. I love that word. We'll look at it in a moment. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. That's the reason we love one another. It's not just because I'm so lovely. The reason we're called to love one another is because he loved us first. Not in order that we can earn his love. Because again, the word says God already loved us. God already sent Jesus, his son, to be that propitiation for our sins. The Greek word is hilasmos. Hilasmos, for our sin. He's become that propitiation. An interesting word. According to Baker, Encyclopedia of the Bible, that word propitiation has a, a, a very, very base uh, original meaning. So stick with me here. Originally, turning away of anger by the offering of a gift. The word was often used by the pagans in antiquity for they thought of their gods as unpredictable beings, liable to become angry with their worshipers for any trifle. In other words, these uh, ancient people worshiping their gods, they were afraid, man, that God's going to be angry at any moment, at any time. And so they would give these gifts. They would bring, Even today, you can go over to, to Asia, uh, went to uh, Thailand several years ago, and all over that city, there were these peace offerings to these pagan gods that they worshipped everywhere. He goes on to say, when disaster struck, it was often thought that their god or a god was angry and was therefore punishing his worshipers. The remedy was to offer a sacrifice without delay. A well-chosen offering would then appease the god and put him in a good mood again. This process was called propitiation. Then they go on and say, of course, for Jehovah, the God of the Bible, his anger is not an irrational lack of control like we have as humans. His anger is actually the settled opposition of his holy nature to everything that is evil. Okay? So again, everything that is evil. Such opposition to sin cannot be dismissed with a wave of the hand. It requires something much more substantial. And the Bible states that it was only the cross that did this. Jesus is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. God's anger was against sin. Therefore, God himself brought forth the sacrifice. Not expecting you and I to come and give him platters of of fruit or, or slaughtered animals to appease his anger. No, the Old Testament sacrificial system, all that was was pointing toward the reality of the coming perfect sacrifice. Don't get that mixed up. It was a picture, it was a shadow of what was yet to come with the sacrifice of Christ. That's why so soon after the death of Christ, 
The temple was destroyed. They weren't able to do any other sacrifices at that point because the temple wasn't there. The sacrificial system was done away with. Why? Because Jesus was the complete, the only sacrifice, the propitiation for our sin, and not for ours only, but for the whole world. Now that's, that's a great doctrine to think about for a moment, that the blood of Jesus Christ, the sacrifice of Christ, paid for the sins of who? John says the whole world. Everyone's sin has been paid for, but it is not as the They say, theologically speaking, it's not efficacious, it's not effective until we come by faith to receive that payment. That's when the fullness of that payment becomes ours. The payment was there. Jesus did that for us. But it's not until you and I come to that point of recognizing my sin is forgiven that then we receive that forgiveness. Just like if I told you, man, your, your house is paid for. Your house is paid for. And you, yeah, several of you are saying, yes, thank you, Lord. And, and you keep sending in payments. You keep sending in payments. You keep sending in payments. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you think, you are so stupid. Your house is paid for. Why in the world are you still sending in payments? Go up to the company, get, get your title. It's paid for. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. But you know what? The sin of the world has been paid for. And whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. You see, that's the promise of the Scripture. That's the promise of the hope of the greatness of the blood of Christ. Man, we find from the Word of God that even in our sin and our rebellion, God made provision for that propitiation of our sins, that payment, that total satisfaction of our sins and the whole world. And that's why John tells us here in verse 11, and you're going to have to start listening fast. Okay, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. His love and the blood of Christ has come even for those who will never receive him. How much ought we to love one another. Guys, no one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, though, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in him, and he in us, because he has given us his spirit. Then John returns back to the proof of the validity of his message, the reason he can make these statements. He was there, he saw it, he walked with Jesus, he was in the upper room with the the message that Christ gave. John writes in verse 14, we have seen and we testify that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world, and whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God abides in him, and he in God. And again, I want to remind you, that's not just simply verbiage. That's not just to say, oh, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and it doesn't affect your life. It's got to be, again, the statement that you're making, you're making with your life, not just with your vocal cords. Verse 16, and we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. 
Some look at this verse and they think, well, see, that, that, that's who God is. God is love. Therefore, he, he would never punish anyone. He would never allow people to go into an eternal hell and a whole host of false statements. They, there's a whole move even within mainline Christianity right now called universalism. It says, well, nobody's really going to hell. God is too great a God of love. No, the greatness of the love of God was he sent his only son. Beloved, if that's not love enough for you, then you don't know love. They misunderstand that love's only one of those many attributes. Man, we went through the attributes at the men's study. That's only That was only one of a multitude of attributes of who God is. Don't forget, he's also righteous. He's also just. He's also holy. Therefore, he cannot let sin go unchecked and unpunished. Yet, even in his punishment of sin, it's his love that directs and limits even the harshness of the punishment. Aren't you glad that God didn't give you just desserts? Aren't you glad that God didn't deal with you according to your sin? I am daily. Yeah, God is love, but it truly is a balance of all of his attributes. That's where he remains as God. Verse 17, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Yeah, boldness in the day. Judgment's coming. Oh, no, no, I can't, I can't. No, man, we can, have, we can have boldness in the day of judgment. Even as, as, as much of a jerk as I am at times, even in the midst of my failures, I'm not excusing them. But I know that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses me from all unrighteousness. I can be bold in that day of judgment, knowing that there is no condemnation on those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. We finish up this chapter with John's continued admonition. Verse 20, if someone says, I love God, and he hates his brother or his sister in Christ, he is a liar. Let's change that around. If I say, I love God, and I hate my brother or my sister, and guess what? I am a liar. I am a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother. Real quickly, let me give you this. Matthew 5, 23 you bring your gift to the altar, Jesus is speaking. You bring your gift to the altar, you remember that your brother has something against you. That's his problem. No. What does he say? You leave your gift. Now, uh, as a pastor, that means leave your tithe and then go and get things right. Uh, no, you leave your gift at the altar and then you go and you be reconciled to your brother first. That's how important it is with God. In verse, uh, chapter 18, Jesus says, moreover, if your brother sins against you, okay, now, now it's not that he has something against me, now I've got something against him. Jesus said, no, you need to go and, and tell him his fault between you and him. And if he hears you, you've won a brother. John 13, Jesus speaking again, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my my disciples if you have love for one another. Guys, do you still have an excuse to not love? 
Pastor David has been studying three letters from the Apostle John here on The Open Word, aptly named 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Each one reminds you who Jesus is, why you should follow Him, and how that's accomplished. You can learn from these letters and grow in your faith just the same as the first readers did. And if you're new to the Bible and to Jesus, you can learn all about the man who can save you. Jesus is the Son of God who came to earth to die for your sins. He loves you more than you can comprehend, and He wants you to be free from what's holding you back. If you want to take that next step and begin a relationship with Jesus, we'd like you to know that here at The Open Word, we support you and we're praying for you. If you still have some questions, please give us a call at 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. We'd also like to encourage you to find and begin regularly attending a church in your area. If you live in Casa Grande, we'd love for you to come visit us. Here's Pastor David with more information. Thanks, Chris. Yes, I'd love to meet you. So please come join us this weekend for a time of worship and Bible study here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. You can expect to meet some friendly people and learn more about your Savior. Directions and more info can be found at theopenword.com. Just click on the Calvary Chapel link at the bottom of the page. I'm excited to meet you. Thanks for tuning in today to The Open Word. Make us more.